and welcome to the Rednet Show, where it's always morning, even in the afternoon. I am your host, Jay Edgar, and I'm joined once again, even though we had to wind up starting late because of a meeting that uh, she was in, my wonderful co-host is Elaine. Elaine, how was your week? It was all right. It got a little rough at the end. Oh, rough is never good, but uh, yeah, I did see some of your social media posts in there, so uh, we're probably going to have to throw some Fs up in the chat once we get some people gathered up in here. I'm sure you're getting links out, everything ready to go off of this here, but this is the Red Ned Show. We've got some stuff to get to today. Definitely, it was a crazy week this week. I mean, I sat back and talked on Contemporary wondering which foreign war we're going to wind ourselves up in coming up here, and we will definitely be talking about that because... This could be very well four-pronged at this point. I don't know if you saw all of this stuff here, but my God, they're just out to piss everybody off here at this point, aren't they? I don't think I've seen everything, but I think I have seen enough. Enough. That's that's kind of what it is here, but uh, we've got a bunch of stuff to get to today here. The entire news story was usurped and jumped up and brought forward to the top on this mysterious shooting that happened in Atlanta this week. So we'll talk a bit about what happened there, the motives, and what the motives are that they're trying to attribute to the particular shooter that this happened to, because, I mean, we got to throw the narrative off there and talk a bit about there. Plus, a couple of other things that happened, both one in your neck of the woods and in my neck of the woods, and one in your former neck of the woods as well. So we'll talk a bit about what's going on out there, and another mysterious lone gunman that showed up outside the Naval Observatory as well. You think there's an agenda behind all this? We'll probably talk about it. As we talked about in here, uh, North Korea, China, Russia, Myanmar, Iran, All of the above. Afghanistan. Where could we go next here? We've got some uh, tensions rising up with uh, Russia and China and North Korea here. So any of that could be going on. Hey, you remember when Biden said nobody over 400000 would be paying a penny in new taxes? Yes. Well, he walked that back here. Now it might be 200000 if you're in a married couple. And all those jobs that he promised were going to be there... Um, yeah, those might be going to Mexico too now. So we'll talk a bit about what's going on there. The uh, Washington Post made an interesting retraction this week over something that we actually talked about as this was coming out. Mm-hmm. And I made you listen to the entire hour conversation two months ago that is suddenly now, all of a sudden, everybody just discovered now. So we'll talk a bit about there. And uh, we'll close out the show talking a little bit about a weird incident in Capitol Hill, where the 
Guam National Guard decided to come and pay a visit to Marjorie Taylor Greene's congressional office, which I don't I know about that. you, but uh, that screams intimidation to me. But uh, there's some other stuff that's going along there. We'll talk a bit about that and more. I don't have surprise stupidity tonight, honestly enough. Just because there was nothing really that was a surprise this week. You brought one up. There oh, okay. I was going to say, there were definitely stupid things that happened this week. <laughs> but nothing I could surprise you with on this one. But here. nothing that you could surprise me with. But it's going to be all of this and more over on the Red Ned Show. We're streaming live right now to DLive, YouTube, uh, Periscope, Twitch, uh, Facebook. If you can check us out on any one of those platforms, head on over there, get in the live chat. We do take live chat in between topics, so definitely get in there. Get your messages read out loud, and we will answer any of the questions that you have here. Or if you can't catch us live, you can catch us back on demand over on YouTube and over at BitChute.com. Or if you'd rather take us on the go, you can find us on the audio platforms, iTunes, Google Play, Stitchers, and Spotify wherever you can find your audio platforms. And if you want to suggest another one for us, we'll definitely look into putting it on there. But we want to make it so if you want to take us on the go, you can find us wherever you want to go. And lastly, as the announcements go, the new website will be coming up for the Freedom Scoop Media Group, premiering on the 24-hour live stream on Jan or April 17th, January 17th. That's No, we text. cannot go back in time. Um, 24 hours of live stream coming up on April 17th, coming right here from this channel. We will go all day here to support the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. They are talking to me again. Apparently, they fired their uh, director of or regional director and uh, the regional director, and I had a good hour long conversation this morning. So she looks like she's fairly excited for this. Good. If we do wind up going that direction and we get the confirmation in, um, she is actually going to be appearing on the live stream. So. Definitely coming awesome. in. We'll go and talk a bit about that, and we'll do some other stuff. I've got some great confirmations for guests. Brian Nichols cannot be here, but he is going to do a pre-recorded uh, interview for us, so he can come in. This was, I mean, he was really excited for this one. I asked him mm -hmm. about it, and he said, yes, whatever I can do, except I'm officiating a wedding that day. Oh, dang it. <laughs> That's okay, Brian. We will pencil you in somehow, some way to do this. Some other great guests, too. I know Jessica Green has confirmed um, the Generational Gap guys will be there. You'll be there for a little bit. Looks like you're uh, ready to come in and talk a bit about uh, something that happened at the time. So we'll tease mm -hmm. that for now, but uh, we won't go into any of the detail on that. But it is going to be a great time. There's going to be a lot of stuff here. I'm a little bit overwhelmed by the number of people who actually want to get up and involved with this. I mean, this seems to be an important topic that hits everybody. So fairly yeah. excited for that as well. So definitely looking forward to that. Definitely looking forward to this here. But we got to Especially talk after the last year, I think it's it's such an important topic to talk about. So, I think everybody should take part in the conversation. It definitely should here, but we've got to take some part of the conversation here because we have got a bunch of stuff to get to today. Um, first thing that I actually wanted to bring up before all of this here is uh the fact that our commander in chief found a an enemy that he couldn't defeat. So let's have a look at what that uh, video looked like here. Let's get that started. I love meme smiths. I love meme smiths with a very, very... Every fiber of my being at this point. Oh my goodness. You're not even a video gamer and you recognize those sounds. Of course. The Donkey Kong barrels. <laughs> and Donkey Kong himself waiting up at the top of those stairs. But mm -hmm. yes, at top. Yikes. We did see this week uh, President Biden 
walking up the stairs to Air Force One. And I will defeated. Give... Defeated by a set of stairs. I will give the old man credit. He did brush it off and he got up there and gave his smart salute at the end. So Bless him. Bless him, but there again. Bless uh, his heart. Um Kamala Harris is probably sitting over there licking her chops. I've got another video to go along with that there just a sec, but uh there, there was a lot of reaction to this. Of course, we saw the, the meme video that went along with that. But um, there were other things that went along with that as well. Quest Fanning tweeted uh, this out and pointed out that, I mean, he actually took the screenshot of it. So the identity of the original poster is masked to, well, to hide the person's ignorance here. But this tweet came out. Quest the Neanderthal tweets out, somebody needs to buy a taffy machine because that is a stretch. The original poster's name and handle were blanked out, but the original poster tweeted out, Jesus fell three times carrying the cross while on the way to Calvary to save us. Biden also fell three times carrying the hardship America is going through on his way to deliver hope. Today, God looked upon Biden and said, This is my son, the beloved, in whom I was well pleased. Don't worry, it's not a cult. Really? It's not a cult, though. Don't worry about that. Okay. Yeah, I think the blue Kool-Aid is made of Windex at this point. Oh! I have a funny story about that. <laughs> Vote blue no matter who. Here's your blue Kool-Aid. No, when Just I, kidding, it's Windex. I was working at a, at a shop one day, and I was I put my two weeks in, and I didn't care anymore. Plus, it was a union shop, so there wasn't really anything they could do about that. So that was the last time I ever worked for a union. But I took uh, one of the cleaning bottles. Rinsed it out, washed it out really good. And I filled it up with UV blue. And throughout the night, I was just taking a spray. Of course you were. I work second shift. You, have to have you just incriminated yourself. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it was 10 years so, ago, so what, what are they going to do about it? I, one, I feel bad. Um, I think I've been tripping up the stairs since I was in high school. Mm-hmm just that graceful um but this is this is just not good do you think he was taking the stairs a little fast like he was trying to jog up the stairs and it just didn't work out like i think it was just a timing thing but um falling for people of his age is very dangerous um your bones are very brittle it's just not a good thing and it often leads to other health issues too um just because you're of an advanced age. I mean, he's elderly at this point. Yeah, he definitely is there. But, you know, once again, we don't have the faith of what's coming here. And uh, this other little gaffe slipped out this week here. Speaking of, somebody standing over here licking her chops after this. Let's uh-huh. have a listen to this one. The hardest hit and suffered the most especially black, Latino, Native American, and rural communities. This is really important because we believe that speed and efficiency must be matched with fairness and equity. Now, when President Harris and I took uh, a virtual tour of a vaccination center in Arizona not long ago, one of the nurses on on that tour, injecting people, giving vaccinations, said that Each shot was like administering a dose of hope. A dose Uh of hope. That's how she phrased it. Behind these 100 million shots, 
are millions of lives changed when people receive that dose of hope. Grandparents can hug their grandchildren. Okay, I kept that going because I actually, for whatever reason, I thought he said it twice in there. But uh, yeah, you heard you heard that correctly right in the middle there. President Harris. <laughs> and then the rest of it was cringe fest because, oh my God. Yeah, I mean, I figure if you rolled your eyes any harder, you would lose them at that point. Everyone heard that. It was the eye roll heard across the nation. <laughs> okay? <laughs> Just like boulders. It's it's fine. <laughs> uh, we all knew it was coming, but, you know, yeah, we can't come out and President say that. President Harris. Oh, my God. We're President Harris. Are we, are we prepping for something? That could be. I could, we could ask my producer. You just, did you see I have a new producer over here? The chicken? No, or the turkey? No. Pepe Le Pew. Oh, no, I didn't. Yes, my new producer. Sitting right over here over my shoulder. Nice. So it appears that the fencing is coming down at this point here. Uh, reading here from WUSA9, security officials start to scale back fencing around the U.S. Capitol. So when I read this this morning, I looked at this. They're taking the razor wire down. The fencing is still going to stay up, but they're going to move it inward slightly so that there's more access to some of the parks and some of the streets. There is still not going to be access to the Capitol building yet at this point, but they're giving some of the land back to the people of D.C. and the people who want to come back and uh, tour this. However, CNN reports in the same breath here, congressional leaders discussing a new $2 billion package for new capital fencing and security personnel. Uh, reading briefly, congressional leaders are discussing a new $2 billion funding package that would bolster security around the U.S. Capitol and shore up vulnerabilities exposed by the January 6th attack, according to sources familiar with the talks. Um, among them, a permanent fence around the Capitol, hundreds of new security personnel, either the National Guard or military uh, police presidents, and new authorities for the District of Columbia's National Guard to be dispatched in emergency situations. One of the sources said the plan under consideration would expand the U.S. Capitol Police Force potentially by hiring hundreds more officers and making changes to the USCP's board. But hey, don't worry. All cops are still bastards. That's insane. This is why you either do it big or you don't do it at all. <laughs> because you know they're going to overreact afterwards. Yeah, and of course, the, the usual suspects are on board. I mean, every Democrat is on board with this one here. Kevin McCarthy says it's a gigantic waste of money. Looks like there are a couple of Republicans on board with this as well, including Representative Rodney Davis. Um, he okay. seems to agree with this. He is a uh, top Republican on the House Administration Committee. Um, lawmakers in both parties have raised objections this month to extended deployment of National Guard troops, but... You know, here we sit, and we're still sitting back looking at talking about this. It looks like if this does go through, there will not be any consideration until next month. But, hey, they're at least rolling back some of the security at this point. Small comforts. Small comforts. We still can't get to the people's house. Right. Uh, speaking of small comforts here, from the Miami Herald, Miami Beach closings cause what, uh, I'm sorry, Miami Beach closing causeways, if I could actually read this correctly, imposing spring breaks South Beach curfew. So the city of Miami had a curfew set up where vendors could stay open and sell stuff until 6 a.m. So they did want to have some order with this, but they still wanted people to go out and uh, build this. But I guess they got afraid of the commie coof. And uh, yeah, now they're closing everything up at midnight on spring break in one of the hottest tourist destinations 
in the country for spring break. You couldn't pay me to go to somewhere like Miami Beach for spring break. No way. That is way too many people. When I want to go on vacation, I don't want to be around other people. <laughs> I want a vacation from people. That's your little introvert talking there, I'm guessing. It is my inner introvert. But also like, oh no, I'm notorious. I will fly into a city, immediately get into a rental car, and then drive out of the city. Because <laughs> I don't want to be there. Yeah. Like, I've done I've done big cities. I've done New York City several times, like four, three or four times. Boston two or three times. Um, Seattle. Portland. I spent zero time in Portland. <laughs> I literally got into a car and left Portland. And this was like five years ago before they completely destroyed it. But um, yeah, no, I no, I don't want to go to Miami Beach on spring break. Do I want to go to Yellowstone on spring break? Yes, please. I did the classic spring break once. I never have. I was 19. Never. No, I was 18 still because I hadn't turned 19 yet. It was my freshman year of college and we went down to Daytona Beach. We drove down, too. I have also never been to Las Vegas. I've been to a digitized, fictional version of Las Vegas, post-nuclear apocalypse. But I've never been to the real thing. Right. But that's, uh, that's what we're seeing up out here in Miami. Um, I got one here from Axios for you. ICE is securing hotel rooms to hold a growing number of migrant families. The Biden administration has awarded an $86 million contract for hotel rooms near the border to hold around 1,200 migrant families who cross the U.S.-Mexico border, DHS officials have confirmed to Axios. And yet, we have homeless veterans still sleeping in the streets. Like, I hate that comparison because I just... In this case, it is taking a... It's not taking away something that they would have otherwise offered them, though. Mm -hmm. Like, they never would have done that. So they're offering something that's never really been on the table before. And people are mad that they're not offering it to another disadvantaged group. Also, this totally flies in the face of his speech about fairness and equity and all that crap. But it's, I don't know. I don't, I don't. I don't like that comparison. Well, I, I don't, just don't. I don't like the government spending money either way. But I mean, the only reason I bring up the comparison there is the fact that you're telling me just like that. It's not offered to these people, right? It it shouldn't. Mm -hmm. If if the offer is going to be there to put people in a hotel, it should be to people who actually serve the country. That's the only reason that I make so... the comparison. But the government shouldn't be spending money either way, especially not eighty six million dollars. Right. But then, but when you make that argument, you put yourself in a position to say, these people are more worthy than these people when they're all people who are in need of something. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It frustrates me. And once again, the government's spending money that it doesn't have. It frustrates me too. I mean, I don't think it should happen, but I just don't like that comparison. Well, we can argue about that one and the entire night, but we've got a bunch more news to get to, um, including one that I saw that you reacted to quite uh, warmly over on Twitter when you saw this uh, from the New York Post. Biden, White House asks st uh, staffers to resign over past marijuana use, but not Kamala. A number of White House staffers were asked to resign or demoted for past marijuana use, regardless of whether those employees had been in one of the 14 states where the drug is legal, according to a report. 
So the reasoning behind this is actually somewhat sound, but it also gives to the stupidity of the fact that Schedule 1 is still a thing on the uh, federal level off of this because they have technically committed a federal crime, even though it's decriminalized in the individual states that they live and they can't get security clearance for it. Mm-hmm. So that does yeah, affect without the security clearance, you can't have your job. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that I don't know if I feel I don't know that I feel that the federal government can make specific employment exclusions like that the same way that a private employer can. Um, but that's always what that's always the argument against removing it from schedule one is, oh, well, do you want truck drivers to just be high driving on the road? No, their private companies can still say, we want you to Mm -hmm. be drug free. Yeah. And I mean, even you see that then even the DOT, which that, okay, that's still technically federal. But at Mm -hmm. that point, my driver's license is conditional on me staying clean from weed because I've got a CDL. Right. So it Mm -hmm. can be decriminalized over the top. And then another government agency is, can still come out and say, well, you have this special license, so you have to apply. Uh, you have to go with this rule, which is again indicative of a system where there is just too much government. I'll give you that, because there is too goddamn much government. Right. You it re- shouldn't be that difficult. It's either it either is or it isn't, or you go to get a job and it either is or it isn't. That is what it is, and yet we still can't get rid of Kamala Harris. She admitted to it, and she still gets to be the vice president of this. You ready for some LP drama? I just had to throw this one up in here. Uh, Todd Hagopian tweets out, Nick Sarwark lost his bid for treasurer of the New Hampshire LP by a vote of 34 to 21. He had no opponent. He lost to NOTA, none of the above. Yeah, except no one ran for the position. That's what people don't understand. It wasn't that Nick was running for this position and campaigning for it. No one had run for it. So he said, well, I'm competent enough to perform this job, so I will run. And yeah. then they resoundly rejected that, which is their right. That's fine. Um, but I then they but then they like changed the bylaws to allow someone else to run. And he was like brand new to the party and they made him a lifetime member. Like they jumped through some hoops to to replace, you know, Nick as a candidate with someone else, uh, which again is their right. It's their state party. But I think the whole thing was just kind of blown out of proportion. I could definitely see that. And I know a lot of people like to hate on Sarwark and I'm usually one of them, even though I don't know that much about him. I know that uh, he is, I've heard some stories about the guy, but you know, he's a nice bogeyman. I can I've, say that. I've had lunch a couple of times with him. I've, shared a bottle of wine with him, sat and just shot the shit with him. Like in those settings, like we have no problems. Like I don't have any issues with him. But sure he's um, a decent guy. I mean, we don't always agree on everything, but I also don't, I also don't make it a habit of just rubbing everyone's nose in something like when they screwed up. Like that's just not really my personality unless you're a neocon. Sorry. It does bring uh, the interesting idea though. And I saw a couple of people tweet this out when they when they were going to reply onto this one is why can't we have none of the above for any of the other offices like the president? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Within the LP, NOTA is always an option, and Nick has actually Nick actually made a speech at a prior convention, uh, a national convention, to 
like in support of NOTA. Usually there is someone who will make a speech in, in favor of NOTA. Mm -hmm. I've, I've seen that at several state conventions. Um, just because it's like a tradition, you know, it's, it's just a tradition within the party that even if there are four people running, someone will still get up and say, I'm speaking on behalf of NOTA. That's an interesting thing that I didn't know before. Mm -hmm. You learn something new every day. The more you know. <laughs> I would put that up as a uh, as a sounder, but I think I might get sued or something by uh, Bridget Phetasy because she uses that one. Oh. <laughs> um, the Donald is making his way back into the news here again because he's set to oh. launch a new social media platform in the next couple uh, couple months. You mean Parler and Gab and all the other ones that are like his new favorite? Those aren't those those aren't his platforms. No, he's actually going to make one of his own. Former President Trump is reportedly pre are preparing to launch his own social media platform in the next couple of months after hosting numerous meetings with companies at Mar-a-Lago. An advisor to Trump made the revelation on Sunday during an interview on Fox News's Media Buzz with Howard Kurtz. So he's not making his own social media platform. He's just agreeing to let someone use his branding and his name for a price. Well, he's been doing that for 50 years. Exactly. So this is just more of the same. Yeah. But it's going to be his, it's going to be, it's going to be huge. It's going to be the greatest. And I actually think it is going to be huge for the people in there because we're going to have the they people. They will, they will leave Facebook and Twitter and all the other platforms in droves and he knows it. And, and so do a, the people, it's so not, do the people that are competing for the contract, they know it too. And it's not even going to be just his people. It's not going to be the MAGA people. It's going to be the MAGA people. And every journalist and every Trump detractor is going to be over there, too, because they're going to be the first one up there. He's going to say something racist, and I want to be the first one to comment on it. I'm going to be the first one to call him racist. I'm yeah. going to be the first one. There's yeah, we, we have to watch him. We have to, we have to watch what he's doing. <laughs> because there was that whole thing. Who was that lady from Georgia, Kim something or other? Oh, my God. She was like, Trump is forming a shadow government at Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> It's going to be that conversation all over again. Like, look what he's doing. He's forming a shadow government mm -hmm. on parlor of all places <laughs> or whatever it ends up being called. Um, tell me about uh, this I vote in Tennessee. Mm, yeah. So let me pull the article up really quick. So two friends of mine in Tennessee have started this organization called for all Tennessee and Justin and Josh, and they found someone to introduce. Is that the one we're talking about? Or are we talking about a different one? I'm talking about For All Tennessee, the I vote yeah, okay. on ballot access reform rejected by subcommittee. I clicked chair. on the wrong line. You had too many things highlighted in a row. Sorry. Anyways, I was like, crap, am I talking about the wrong thing? No, we're talking about the right thing. Okay, so <laughs> um, State Rep Bud Holsey from Kingsport, which is in East Tennessee, um, introduced legislation to make ballot access easier in Tennessee for third parties. Joe Jorgensen and Gary Johnson were both on the ballot in Tennessee, but they were both on the ballot as an independent. And I've talked about this before on this show and in other places. Mm -hmm. The reason it's so difficult to get ballot access in Tennessee is because the threshold is so high. And we've repeatedly tried to get it and failed every time because it's just too, it's too difficult and it's too time consuming and we do not have enough resources to do it. So Bud Holsey agreed to introduce this legislation. And I believe that it was a signature reduction 
to 5,000 signatures. Oh no, 12,000, 12, flat 12,000. Right now it changes every four years based on the turnout in the gubernatorial election. So if that goes up, then the number of signatures you have to collect goes up in proportion. So it's, it's constantly, it's a moving target every four years. You never know if you're going to have to collect a bunch of signatures or an astronomical number of signatures. Like you, you can't, it's impossible to plan for it. Mm-hmm. So they introduced this bill to pass it and, and cap it at 12,000 signatures. And if you watch the video, we'll have to post it um, on the Discord or in Gilded. If you watch the video that's in the article that's on the forallTennessee.org website, mm-hmm. you will see that at the end of the meeting, when they called for the vote, the eyes to pass the bill on to the ha- the floor were a majority. Mm-hmm. There were four eyes and three nays. And the chairman called it for the nays and not a single one of the eyes pushed back on it. And they killed it in committee. It's interesting. I don't know why they would do something like that, except for the fact that they don't care. They've got to serve their duopoly. They just, I had, last time we did this, I lobbied at the state house in Nashville for ballot for the ballot access bill we introduced before a few years mm-hmm. ago, and it was to lower the signature th- threshold to five thousand. That was obviously too low, so they went with twelve thousand this time. It's fine. I was sitting in a state senator's office and heard him tell our group that was there after we made the argument that the Tennessee Constitution guarantees free and fair elections, and so this makes it more fair. Republicans, Democrats, and independents only have to have 25 signatures to be on the ballot with their party designation after their name. At the time, we had to collect 33,000 signatures. Now the number is 58,000. Yeah, it's a lot. He looked at us and said, I don't really care what the Constitution of the state of Tennessee says. I don't interpret it as free and fair elections for you to have special privileges. I'm not going to vote for this bill. Well, that's what we see from that. Um, yeah, it's it seems corrupt in and of itself, but you know, once again, you got to uh, protect that duopoly. Par for the course. Uh, speaking of Nashville, did you see that uh, they have found the motive at this point? I did so not called. actually. You want me to do this one? Sure. Uh, Nash- I hadn't seen this. Nashville bombing was intentional act meant to end uh, end bombers' own life, which seems like there was a lot of theatrics for this to just be, I'm going to off myself and I'm going to do it publicly. Yeah, considering he was like basically an extreme introvert, this seems very unlikely. Uh, The FBI, along with other agencies, has concluded a large portion of the investigation into the bombing of downtown Nashville. The bombing happened on December 25th around 6.30 a.m. Following the explosion, the FBI worked closely with multiple law enforcement partners to investigate. Over 3,000 pounds of evidence was recovered from the blast site, according to a release from the FBI. They combed through 2,500 tips and conducted over 250 interviews, and they determined that, oh, he just wanted to kill himself, very publicly. I ain't buying it. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not big on conspiracy theories, but I'm not buying it. Yeah, neither am I, but, uh, you know, maybe we can sit down and talk about the motive that the uh, mainstream media was very public about with a Las Vegas shooter. 
oh wait, we still have no idea what the fuck that was either. Well, and here's the thing. People are demanding answers about this one and the, the, uh, the incident in Las Vegas. But what we really, what we, what we have to keep in mind is just how poor the record of these agencies is as far as solving these cases. Like, cases go unsolved all the time. Yeah, I know. Like, there are entire TV series dedicated to cold cases because they don't ever get solved. This is their best, this is their educated guess. That's <laughs> it. It's not, it's not fact. It's not, oh, we discovered a definitive, you know, motive. It's just, we don't know, but we got to give, we have to give everybody something. So this is our best guess. Hopefully they buy it. Hopefully. Uh, speaking of things that hopefully they buy here, have you seen that Jeff Van Drew, do you know who that is? First off? No. Jeff Van Drew made waves last year because he was a Democrat in New Jersey and he got so pissed off with the Democrat party that he switched parties mm -hmm. midterm. And he actually, I believe he got reelected as a Republican in New Jersey, which is act of God in and of itself. Interesting. But he's longtime uh, uh, representative. So, I mean, they knew him too. Mm -hmm. um, well, apparently a an independent journalist who has done guest work in some various publications out there, decided to give him a little phone call and leave it on his voicemail. Let's have a listen to what that sounded like. Uh, it's here. 8.03 p.m. Mr. Van Drew, this is John McCall. I live in Ocean City. I have been a member of the New Jersey Press Association since 1982. You once appeared at my house years ago, and I complimented you on the fact uh, that you were one of the few politicians who had ever actually spoken to us uh, directly, and I have supported you ever since. Uh, since your betrayal of our party and your treasonous loyalty, the worst degenerate who has ever occupied the presidency in United States history. I can only say that I would swear to your demise as a politician. And I believe that you personally are degenerate. Uh, as a member of the New Jersey Press Association, I will do everything in my power to ensure that you are deposed, if not dead. Anything I can do to basically get you out of office, I will do. You are a traitor, Jeff Andrew, and you deserve the fate of all So, uh, where do you want to start on that? I mean, props to him for, like, basically saying it as close to his face as possible because we, I bash people all the time for saying shit online that they would never say in person. Mm -hmm. That's like, all right, you got some balls, that's fine. But that's a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. Like, you know, you like, he identifies himself, like, everything. He gives... 
whatever. Terrible decision. <laughs> that good, huh? Yeah, no, it's it's not a cult, though. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about any of that. It is not a cult here. Um, no, it's just it's just tribalism. It's tribalism and hyper-partisanship. I got one here from your boy, Rand Paul. My boy, Rand Paul. Yeah, because he uh, got into it with Dr. Fauci this week. And the nice people over at C-SPAN gave us video of that as well. You're and telling everybody to wear a mask, whether they've had an infection or a vaccine. What I'm saying is they have immunity and everybody agrees they have immunity. What studies do you have that people that have had the vaccine yeah. or have had the infection are spreading the infection? If we're not spreading the infection, isn't it just theater? No, it's had not. the vaccine and you're wearing two masks. Isn't that theater? No, that's not. Here we go again with the theater. Let, let's get down to the facts. Okay, the studies that you quote from Crotty and Sete look at in vitro examination of memory immunity, which in their paper they specifically say this does not necessarily pertain to the actual protection. It's in vitro. And what study or, can you point to that shows significant let, reinfection? There are no studies that show just significant Just let, let, let me finish the response to your question, if you please. The other thing is that when you talk about reinfection and you don't keep in the concept of variance, that's an entirely different ball game. That's a good reason for a mask. In the South African study conducted by J&J, &J, they found that people who were infected with wild type and were exposed to the variant in South Africa, the 351, it was as if they had never been infected before. They had no protection. So when you talk about reinfection, You've got to make sure you're talking about wild type. I agree with you that you very likely would have protection from wild type for at least six months if point you're infected. But we in our country though, now have variants that are circulating. Significant reinfection. What study shows significant reinfection, hospitalization, and death after either natural infection or the vaccine? It doesn't exist. There is no evidence that there are significant reinfections after vaccine. In fact, I don't think we have a hospitalization in the United States after the two-week period after the second vaccination. So those two went back and forth with each other here because, I mean, this has become the largest game of Simon Says in the world. Yeah, I'm, I'm over it. And he is just going to keep trying to find a way to come out and keep telling you that, uh, oh, yeah, no, you got to keep wearing the mask. You got to keep wearing it because I said so. Did you, because you and I have gone over the, uh, um, the stimulus bill and everything that's in there, and I've actually read the stimulus bill at this point. It's as bad mm -hmm. as, it think, as it seems here. Well, uh, Crowder got into a little bit of hot water here for this particular clip that he put out on both his uh, video and audio show and... You know, everyone came out and said it was uh, really, really racist, and uh, I'm just going to come out and say it. It was pretty fucking racist. But let's have a listen to this. And I got one more for you, and then we'll get on to the big news. I don't know where you find this many farmers of color, uh, but they did. And $5.2 are being allocated exclusively for colored farmers. Farmers of color! Farmers of color! Roll the tape! 
We begin today's show looking at a major provision in President Biden's $1.9 trillion COVID relief bill that aims to address decades of discrimination against black, Hispanic, Native American and Asian American farmers who've historically been excluded from government agricultural programs. The American Rescue mm. Plan sets aside $10.4 billion for agriculture support and allocates about half the funds to farmers of color who are, quote, subjected to racial or ethnic prejudice because of their identity what? as members of a group, unquote. The U.S. Commission on Civil Rights confirmed as long ago as 1965, the U.S. Department of Agriculture discriminated against black farmers, but little was done to address the problem. A hundred years ago? Yeah, uh, most happy about the new policy, these people. So, yeah. I'm going to oh. buy a plow, man. I'm going to plant that corn. Go get a John Deere. Barack Obama, mother. I'm the president of plowing that air. You. I thought the last thing they would want to do was be farmers. Wasn't that a big problem yeah. for hundreds yeah. of years? Yeah. Isn't that why Arsenio yeah. Hall called himself the urban man's Johnny Carson? I think so. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Are people, are people lining up out in the middle of Cornfield, Iowa for new dunks? <laughs> How would you... So it pretty much goes and devolves into that, which, yes, that was a very, very racist bit. But it also brings forward the conversation that, yes, there was, that was the first thing that was actually in the bill, where there were $5 billion that were allocated to forgivable loans to specifically start out farms for people of color. Right. But discrimination of that type is very well documented. Mm -hmm. Like even HUD housing like that they were very discriminatory for decades upon decades that's not a new thing yeah but people still need to talk about that wouldn't you agree we, yeah, yeah, I mean, we actually need, need to, to have the discussion about, because but, but that bit was not even funny like i have a good sense of humor that was not even funny no it really wasn't because it's not based in any kind of reality yeah, no, I, I'll definitely give you that one there. And Crowder has slipped off, too, because he, when I first started listening to Crowder, I thought he was hilarious. But it's just like every time I listen, I'm like, okay, you're it's trying too hard at this point. Yeah, it's they tried really hard to make that funny, and it really was not funny at all. Loud does not equal funny. Right, exactly. All right, I got one more here for you, and then we will move on into the uh, the big news of the day here. And that is that a fourth stimulus check might be on the way. This is coming from Yahoo Finance. With the third round of stimulus checks beginning to hit taxpayers' bank accounts this week, many are wondering if there will be a fourth round of stimulus payments. Well, the American Rescue Plan was signed, and yes, it looks like they're going to go out and try and get you a fourth round of stimulus checks. You do not appear like you approve. I mean, once you open the barn doors, all the horses are going to run out. Like, this is just, I again... I am fine with stimulus checks that go directly to American families that have been actually impacted by, by the government shutting down the economy. That's fine. What I'm not okay with is stuffing a shit ton of pork into the bill, which is exactly what they do every single time. We could have had one stimulus, we could have had one stimulus check that was cheaper than all of the other ones combined and Americans could have gotten more money if they had not packed it full of unnecessary bullshit. Well, yeah, and there was, uh, which representative was it uh, last week 
two weeks ago we talked about where he actually specifically came out and said, okay, let's rewrite this bill and give everybody $10,000 in stimulus. Not because mm-hmm. he actually wanted to give everyone $10,000 of stimulus, just to point out the fact that almost none of the none of the money in the in that was directed a stimulus it was all for other government programs yeah it's like you're you're getting fourteen hundred dollars but it actually costs you like what was it six thousand or fourteen thousand or something like that like if the total cost fifty seven hundred was what from most uh places that i saw i saw some other figure the other day that was saying it was like fourteen thousand if you if you added in something else and i don't remember what that was exactly but the fifty seven hundred number is what i usually see yeah so I think they were adding the two stimulus bills together. That's possible. It was basically you got like $2,500 or something, but it cost $14,000 to give it to you. What? And now they're just going to do it again. So now you will have, now you will need to pay $20,000 worth of taxes, but you got like $3,000 if that. That's insane. And it's it's interesting when you bring up the numbers on that too, because these are the same people that want us to just cab universally because they can come and just keep pouring that money into the people's pockets until right. they declare that the pandemic is over. Right. Which what did we know about the government in crisis as we still sit in Afghanistan at this point? Right. I mean, so in that sense, it's like Peter Meyer was right. Like, why don't we just write ten thousand dollar checks to Americans and be done with it? Mm-hmm. Problem solved. Well, or mostly, I mean, mostly remedied. Like, obviously, that's not going to save people's businesses at this point because everything is too far behind. But this will not be the last stimulus check. There will be another stimulus check, and it will probably happen later this year um, when the rent and mortgage forgiveness runs out. Oh, yeah, that's going to be a fun one to watch. Yeah, that's going to be there, there will be another. There will be another stimulus check that happens at the end of the year after that period runs out. Write it down. I guarantee it. We will do that, but uh, we gotta go on and talk about the big news of the week here. So, coming out of Atlanta, Georgia this week. Atlanta spa shootings, Biden says that hate can have no safe harbor America. So, this week, Robert Aaron Long went on a rampage going to one spa and shooting, killing four people. And then drove off to another spa, killed three people in that, and one in the uh, spa that was immediately across the street. He then went to run. He was picked up 150 miles south of Atlanta, heading towards Florida, theoretically to go back and do this again. Now, of course, looking into the way that the world works here, and the fact that we've been talking about anti-Asian hate crimes for the past year, because evil Donald Trump said the virus came from China, so that meant that go out and attack your local Asian person here. Six of the eight women that died in this incident were of Asian descent at this point. Now, the shooter has come out and said that race had nothing to do with what he was doing. His immediate response was the fact that he is a sex addict and he was going out to basically purge the world of his vice so he wouldn't be tempted off of this anymore. He has admitted this in court. He's confessed to his crime. Mm -hmm. And various other groups around the country are still trying to come out and say that this is an Asian-based hate crime and it's just he doesn't get to choose what his motive was. They're going to assign it to him. That's actually the headline in one of the articles that I have sitting up here. So I have a tiny bit of experience with something very removed, but slightly similar to this. I'm a redhead. 
for a really long time growing up, I was bullied for having red hair. And then all of a sudden I became an adult woman. And then everybody was into redheads. Mm -hmm. And you get, when you are something that is more rare, I guess, you get fetishized. And Asian women experience that to a very heightened degree. Okay. So I do not doubt that this was racially motivated, but not racially motivated by hate, but racially motivated by a fetish. Because he, I think he fetishized those women because of their race. So it wasn't necessarily a, I don't know if you would be able to call it a discrimination against that race, but I think that that probably played into it. It's an interesting take because I, you know, coming through the news media and going through Twitter, I've actually not heard that take out. For the most part, it is the fact that he's come out and confessed that he was just going out to try and, for lack of a better word, kill the rub and tug girls. Mm. Yeah, but there's currently no proof that, that any of them engaged in that. It's There's potential that maybe he had visited those spas before and that that was something that they offered but maybe they declined to give it to him for some reason or I don't know. Once he had it, he couldn't get enough. Who knows? Like, I don't, I don't know any of that yet, but what I'm saying is that I don't think it was a hate. Someone who is someone who's way more familiar with that dynamic than me should, should make the determination of whether or not that's actually based in hate. But to me, it's based in a, a sexual fetish. That's what it sounds like. Okay, so that's and I don't know if you I don't know if you can call that the same thing as a hate crime. That's that's an interesting way to look back at this because I had not thought about there's there's just so much swirling around this story. And yeah, he came out and confessed that yes, he was coming out to do this, and it's still, which one was it? It was did I put it in here? I looked over the NPR one really quickly. Yeah, the one from NBC News that I have up in here says, Suspect in Atlanta-era attacks say they weren't racially motivated. Experts say he doesn't get to decide whether or not they were racially motivated. Um, just to read briefly off of this one here, uh, the white man charged Wednesday, and of course they have to come out and point out that he's the white man. The white man charged Wednesday with killing eight people, including six women of Asian descent, at three Atlanta-era spas, told authorities he was not driven by bigotry and that he had sexual addiction and saw the businesses as a temptation for him that he wanted to eliminate, investigators said. And the police are coming out with this, and they're actually, you know, amiable to the idea of this. Um, Elaine Gross, who is president of the New York-based civil rights organization Erase Racism, that's Erase in capital letters, so I'm sure it stands for something, I just don't know what it is. You can't ask perpetrators what they think, said Elaine Gross. That's not how we determine whether something is or isn't a hate crime. Which, that's treading to me in a dangerous territory of thought crime right there. It, it is and it isn't, because I think that sometimes, sometimes people are not aware of their own biases. Biases, whatever that word is, and it's plural. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's an unconscious bias sometimes and people are genuinely ignorant that it exists because no one's ever pointed it out to them before. Um, but I don't think you can go so far as to say that you don't get to ask them. Anyways, that's my take. I think it's more of a sex crime than it is a hate crime. Oh, absolutely is. And I mean, what... One of the people, and I wasn't able to verify this, but one of the people that uh, 
was chatting in the live chat on Friday for Contemporary, point out the fact that I think it was the first spa actually had been investigated for uh, happy endings. Let's say that. So with that, I mean, there's there's the motive there if that's actually the case. That's a pretty that's a pretty big assumption though, and mm -hmm. that's also something that's really harmful to um, the spa industry. I did at one point in time date a massage therapist mm -hmm. who was a male, and he experienced discrimination applying for jobs. Like there were places that were like, "Yeah, we'd really love to hire you, but we hired this girl instead." Yeah, because there are a lot of people who are not comfortable with that, mm -hmm. and that is an assumption against him for his gender. But also, people make assumptions about women who are Asian who work at those places too. They just think automatically, "Oh, it's 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 not it's not legal. It's not legit." Well, even white women too. It's I actually I've got uh, one of my best friends is a massage therapist. Well, she just actually came out and went to a, a uh, electrolysis as her career, but uh, she's certified as a massage therapist in Massachusetts, where mm -hmm. breathing is licensed practically. But uh, her and I were talking about that one day, talking about the boards of licensing, and she said, well, yeah, it's, I have to have this license, otherwise they can come after me for prostitution in Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's what happens. And that's what happens if a massage therapist that is licensed does something like that that they shouldn't be doing. Mm -hmm. They will yank their license, and then they will charge them with a sex crime, essentially, like with prostitution, So, or with a sex work crime, not a sex crime, but a sex work crime. Right. Um, because that's not legal. I think if two consenting adults, you should be able to do whatever you want. If the payment's agreed upon ahead of time, nobody gets hurt, everybody's happy, fine, I don't care. But that is not the reality that we live in. So, once again, deal we with have too much government. But also, I just do not like that people automatically jump, oh yeah, rub and tug girls. No, they're not. There is, if there is no evidence of that, then that is very damaging to say. calling you out on your bullshit i'll accept that some of the other things that came out with this story though and a lot of this has a lot of what, everything that's gone along with this story has developed and revolved around race for very obvious reasons from this um one of the big things that was traveling around social media was the fact that this uh this gentleman mr long did turn himself in uh, after he was caught he you know hands behind his head um surrendered himself ready to go ready to go sit in and face his punishment for whatever's going to come from this. And he, he's confessed to murdering eight people. He's going away mm -hmm. for a long, long time. But it was also mm -hmm. pointed out on numerous occasions that the only reason that he was taken in peacefully is because, you guessed it, he's white. And if it had been a black man doing this, he would have come in with, well, he would have come in on the slab cold. Mm -hmm. Whether or not he surrendered himself, whether he did any of that, and I don't, know if i buy that but i mean any of the examples i don't nod brought, buy it any of the examples they brought forward though have been various different decisions of this and decisions of the perpetrators because you know the the examples they brought forward have been of people who did resist while they were about to be arrested whereas this guy kind of just surrendered himself and said okay you got me i did it so right. i it's not exactly apples to oranges, but I would say it's apples to pears in that situation. Mm -hmm. I can see that. Um, but the other one that really came up out of this is the fact that uh, the police officer that was giving the uh, press conference for this, the I don't remember what his position is off of this. I could probably take it out of the article here. Uh, they've been on him, too, because he came out at the press conference and said that the perpetrator had a really bad day, which he apparently had. 
He had just been That there. was the biggest gaffe of the entire thing. Oh, he had a really bad... Excuse me? Yeah. No. He has a really bad day when he steps in a puddle and gets his socks wet and he has to walk around in wet shoes all day. Yeah. That sucks. That's a bad day. Or when you spill your coffee on your white dress shirt right before a meeting. That's that's a bad day. When you accidentally leave your presentation at home, that's a bad day. When your computer won't work during your Zoom meeting, that's a bad day. It is not a bad day when you go kill people. I believe it's he worse was talking than about, that. I believe he was talking about the lead up to him killing that because he had just even still. He had just lost his job um in the trade industry. He was a trade show apparently representative, so he had just lost his job. He'd just been furloughed from that, and his parents kicked him out that same day. Okay. So, yes, he had had a bad day. That does not justify what he did. However, with that, everyone went through the police officer's social media account to find out that uh, he had bought a T-shirt the previous year that said the coronavirus was imported, COVID-19 imported from China. And now everybody's angry at this uh, particular police officer, BuzzFeed News writes, the Georgia Sheriff's official who said the man accused of killing six Asian women and two others in shootings at spas in the Atlanta area had had a bad day previously shared a photo of racist t-shirts on social media. In a Facebook post from April of 2020, Cherokee County, uh, County Sheriff's De Captain Jay Baker shared an image of t-shirts based on the Corona beer label that said COVID-19 imported virus from China. Love my shirt, Baker wrote. Get yours while they last. So now, of course, the racism is attributed to the police officers on top of everything else off of this. I mean... Is it racist? I wouldn't think so. But the thing is, is that in such a hyper-partisan environment anymore that someone who has those deeply held beliefs can perform their job impartially. And that's literally what they're called on to do, supposedly. But it almost is, it, it is almost never impartial. Because people have their own biases. I think we just got knocked offline. So I'm did? frozen on YouTube. Ruh -ruh. Did you say something wrong? No, it's still going. It's just frozen and it's uh, chopping up real bad. I don't know if it's mm -hmm. the connection coming to my tablet or what it is. So, I mean, if you could see us and hear us, let us know off of this. But, uh, yeah, I'm just looking at my YouTube. Well, now it's moving again, but uh, just making sure. That's why I have two monitors sitting over here to make sure that uh, we've got something going on here. Um, even st And to your point, too, as a police officer, I think it actually is in very, very bad taste to have a T-shirt like that really honestly is, especially, like you said, in the hyper-partisan world that we live in. Yeah, I mean, you can't make the assumption that someone can do their job impartially when they're, I don't want to say they're acting like an extremist. I don't think it's extreme, but it's it's, it's hyper-partisan. I guess in a way that's extreme. Well... We will see. I'm sure that we have not heard the last of this story because this no. is going to be ongoing forever and they're, con they're going to continue to try and throw a hate crime onto this one here. But I want to talk just a little bit about uh, some of the other stuff that popped up throughout the week because I do think that we might start to see somewhat of a push to go into the gun control agenda. 
and I pointed one out to you that you hadn't heard of. We talked about it off mic right before we went live here, but uh, this is local to you. So looks like you read through this a little bit before the uh, the show. Tell me yeah, a bit about this uh, uh, the shooting that happened in Indianapolis. It's very sad. Um, apparently, this man who was eventually arrested for this crime, uh, his name was Malik Halfacre. He shot and killed four people. One of them was his seven-year-old daughter because he got into an argument with her mother about the stimulus check. He wanted a portion of the stimulus check that she got. I'm assuming he his reasons were, you got money because you got extra money because of our daughter. I want part of that money. Okay. I'm, I'm assuming that that's what that is. It doesn't say that explicitly in the article, but that is the only logical argument I feel like he could have made to her. Um, obviously she said no, and they were arguing about it. And that is when he killed all of them. So that's very sad. Yeah, it is. It's, I don't understand the motivation of behind people. I mean, the dude just killed his own, was it a daughter? I don't mm -hmm. remember in the article. His daughter. She I, was seven. He killed his own daughter over trying to get a piece of $1,400. That seems... Yeah, that, I mean, it could have been it could have been out of desperation. It, I mean, he he may have been on hard times too, and just said, you know, like I need this too, you know, share with me. But I don't know. Well, I'm sure he's getting tapped for child support too, and I don't know if he's working or not off of this. But it's it is horrifying the fact that something like this could happen to your own family on top of this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's pretty bad. We had one happen up in my neck of the woods, though, too, off of this one. Um, reading quick from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Uh, two people were killed at a Roundy's warehouse in Oconomowoc, suspect identified as a Wauwatosa resident. So this was, that actually hit home to me, because I actually used to drive by this building that all this happened, like, every weekend. Wow. I know exactly where this was. Um, well, my ex lived in Oconomowoc, so I was by there all the time. Um, mm -hmm. Apparently, a worker came in disgruntled and shot two of his co-workers while he was uh, coming in for his night shift. This was uh, during a third shift run. Then he got in his car and he ran. He was in Milwaukee. Uh, police began to chase and he crashed his car and then he shot himself on top of all this. And he, I mean, he shot himself in the afternoon. So he... You know, he went back, this was on third shift, it happened, and then he went running during the day. Uh, the roads are reopened at 11.15 in front of the Roundy's warehouse. But yeah, it's just, it's craziness, the fact that this is even happening. And this is with people that are working, too. I know we see desperation with people who aren't working right now, but this is happening with people who are working still. So Everyone, everyone is on heightened stress mode right now, It's and it's just gone on for so long that people are going to start hitting their limits. Well, and that's, you know, that's a big part of the reason too, that I'm doing the, the charity that I'm doing and the cause that I'm working with charity for is because people are so much at their limits and people do go down that road when they're at their limits here. I mean, this guy, yeah. Well, of course he had the added stress of, he had just killed two people and knowing he was going to have to live with that for the rest of his life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. On top of jail time and everything else and everything else that was coming with that there. That's, 
I mean, I can see where the stress comes from that, but I mean, you're right. Everybody is on heightened tension, and we do hear about stories. There's more suicides. Suicides are up right now. Depressions are up. The suicide hotlines are flooded right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they can't keep uh, the mental health. The mental health care system in America is completely overwhelmed right now. It absolutely is. I got another story out of Nashville that I wanted to touch mm-hmm. on here before uh, we headed out of this. Uh, this one happened outside of a Dollar General in Nashville. I was going to put the video into this, but uh, I put it up on the Clips channel and it got shut right the fuck back down. Hmm. So there's no way I'm showing this video. Not what happened. Um, okay. But from CBS 8, graphic video shows Nashville shootout that left woman dead officer hurt. Ooh. Um, Matt Christensen did a video on this one, too, uh, this past week, which was a very good analysis of this. So what had happened with this is the uh, police officer stopped a woman inside of a Dollar General because he ran her plate, and it turned out that there was a warrant out for the owner of the car per the license plate. There were several warrants out for that. So he asked the woman to step outside. He was very compliant with her, too. Like, this woman was, everything was cordial with this. I've seen the video front to back. Everything was absolutely cordial. This wasn't like somebody came out and started to resist right away. And, you know, we start to radio out officer down and several hundred police officers come out to do this. No, this was a routine stop. Um, The woman was allowed to sit outside of her car, smoke a cigarette. The cop went through her purse and found drugs in there. Cocaine and marijuana, it appeared to be in her purse. Um, Everything was still cordial with that. It didn't look like he was even going to push her for more than a fine for that. And then just out of nowhere, she started shooting back at the officer, and he shot back. Um, I believe he gave chase while he was uh, injured. He radioed ahead uh, the fact that she got back in her car and ran off. And once again, the video does a lot better detailing of this, but we mm-hmm. can't show that because it's very, very graphic. Uh, she got hit. She wound up crashing her car and died, I believe, from injury sustained from the car crash. Oh, okay. <clears throat> Yeah, that was on the far north side of the natural of the Nashville metro area. Um, it's not a terrible area, but it's not great either. Hmm. It's like the only part of the Nashville area I really know is Mount Juliet and uh, what is it, the Gaylord Opryland? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the only two places I know in Nashville. Yeah, that's like the northeast side of Nashville. So, yeah, that's sad and unfortunate but it looks like i mean it looks like to me it was justified mm-hmm. she was holding a weapon he obviously got shot as a result yeah he was hitting the abdomen and the uh, bullet went under his bulletproof vest so he got it actually up in the chest but you know not directly through right yeah and i mean this wasn't stopping someone for something trivial like oh your headlights out or whatever you know like she had multiple outstanding warrants Sort of the owner of the car, which he was not the owner of the car on top of that, so. Right, yeah. They're always going to be a little bit more cautious mm-hmm. because of that. if things don't match up, you know, that sucks. And yeah, but I mean, like I said, I've seen the video from this and, you know, she, mm-hmm. it's very clear off of that. He's going through a purse and she's sitting back there, a cigarette in her hand, just wow. calmly. You know, you're not even supposed to do that procedurally. He was very, very nice to her. And this whole thing was cordial up until... Up until she starts shooting. Yeah, I mean, I kind of have to wonder what was going through her mind while he's going through her purse. Like, just act cool, act cool. Like, maybe <laughs> he won't find it. Like, what? <laughs> All 
right, one more here, then we'll do some live chat here and see what's going on with that. Um, this is from CNN. A man was arrested outside Vice President Kamala Harris's official residence and had a rifle and ammunition in the car. Um, in Washington, D.C., police arrested a Texas man outside of Vice President Kamala Harris's official residence, the U.S. Naval Observatory, in the nation's capital on Wednesday, and he's now facing a weapons and ammunition charge. A spokesperson for Washington's Metropolitan Police Office uh, said officers responded at approximately 12.12 p.m. to the 3400 block of Mass Ave. In reference to a suspicious person based on an intelligence bulletin that originated from Texas who was detained by U.S. Secret Service, law enforcement contacted the man after a region-wide intelligence bulletin had been issued for the suspect. Um, it says police obtained a uh, report obtained by CNN shows officers allege Murray was in possession of an AR-15 semi-automatic rifle, 113 rounds of unregistered ammunition, and five 30-round magazines. Those evil AR-15s. Do you think with all of this that we see here, because I just we just went through, what, five stories that had to mm -hmm. do with guns and violence, that this is going to be yep. a push for HR8? Probably. Or HR, no, not HR1, because that's uh, H voting rights. Is it? I thought it was. No, HR127. Yeah, 127, that was the one. It was 8 and 127 that are up there yeah. that are looking at this. Do you think this is going to be a push that's used for some of this to try and force this through? Yes. And try to force... Absolutely. They will use anything to push this through. Well, my thing is not the House, because the House has it already on both of those bills, but to try and force Cinema and Mansion's hands on the filibuster so they can get this passed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because there was talk about that this week, too, and I didn't even have time to put that into the itinerary because we had so much else to talk about off of this. Um, do you, you think that that could possibly be something? Do you think that they would fold on that? I don't know. I don't know if they would. Mansion, I don't think would fold on it, but Cinema, maybe. I'm not sure, but that's, uh, that's what I have off of this. I don't know how you have unregistered ammunition, but that must be a DC thing. It probably is. DC's very strict on gun control. Yeah, I can understand a registered gun. I don't believe in it, but unregistered ammunition, uh, I don't I don't understand. Right. That's a lot of paperwork for one little... Mm-hmm. Well, and that's the point. The more barriers you put up, people that, are, that want to be law-abiding just won't do it. All right, why don't we uh, do some live chat here? I'm going to get uh, the stuff for the foreign theater set up. Uh, so let's see what those these guys are saying. Not much, actually. Yeah, it's been kind of a slow night. Pretty quiet, maybe because we started a little late and people gave up on us. Boo, sorry. Um, Mark is here. Brian's here. Shalaga's here. Um, Shalaga's, I, you guys, I always say good morning. I don't know why you think that that's silly. It's in our intro. <laughs> Pay attention. <laughs> and I stole it from Back to the Future 2, which you've never seen. So there's actually a reason I do that, reaching back to my Reagan days. Yeah. Uh, Brian said we just need to start calling Kamala his caretaker. That was about <laughs> Biden. Uh, DC starting to look like the capital of Myanmar. And Kamala took the weed from the evidence room, so it doesn't count, right? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Oof. Um, Is it one that you can't read on the air? No. Well, there's one that I can't even pronounce. I saw that we had a Turkish friend in there at one point. 
yeah, I can't pronounce that word, those words. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, my friend. Um, throw in a translator and then get it back to us. <laughs> or I guess I could, instead of being the stupid, the stereotypical stupid American. <laughs> um, Matthew Hammond said, at least this member of the New Jersey Press Association is honest. I did correct you because in the article, it says that they the Press Association confirmed he's actually not a member. So he lied about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did see that. We have a friend from Twitch, the socialist front man. I don't know what language he's speaking. It's not English. <laughs> uh, Brian says the theory, my theory is that his hate was inward of himself, but instead of taking responsibility, he took it out on those who were the object of his desire. Maybe, but you know, Jesus said, pluck your own eyes out. So let's go with that. Uh, they confirmed that the video was a little laggy, but it was working on YouTube. Okay. Mark says it's not extreme to have the t-shirt. I don't know, whatever. Okay. Yeah, I'm tired of the every time somebody dies, people are like, oh, maybe she died of COVID. Eh, think of a new joke, y'all. Ben Wilde is late, but we were also very late, so... Yeah, well, I, everyone's late. It's fine, Ben. Don't worry <laughs> about it. Um, oh, Ed says, I'll never give up on you. <laughs> I feel like this is a good time for a Rickroll. <laughs> oh, Ron's cooking pizza. Ron, did you make enough to share with class? I miss pizza. Just make kettle-friendly pizza. It's possible. You can do it. I believe in you. Yeah, I've got the actually up on my bookshelf over there. I've got the recipe for fathead pizza. Plus, I like to cheat, and I don't know if you guys can get those down there. I don't. I know they're not out nationwide, but uh, on our local grocery stores, they it's called Egg Life is the company that does it. It's a uh, it's a tortilla, but it's made completely out of egg whites and xanthan gum. Sounds gross. I make my pizza crust with spent grain from our beer, our home brewing activities here at home, mm. and it is delicious especially when you put it on the grill. Pro tip. Anyways, that's pretty much it. Oh, Quest is here. Yay, Quest is here. The hype man. Maybe we should... He'll throw out the tweet and we'll get like a thousand people in here at once. <laughs> maybe. Maybe not a thousand, but we'll get a few people. We, quote, we quoted you earlier, Quest. We did. I shared that tweet right at the yeah, top of the show. It's true. We did. All right. Um, we got to talk about uh, what's going on around the world at this point here. And I got to ask you, which country do you want to start with? The one least likely to go to war with us. We don't have that, that option list? here. We don't have that option. We have Russia, China, North Korea this week. Oof. Uh, let's start with North Korea. Why not? Okay. So North Korea got up into the news today because... Uh, Kim Jong-un has come out and said that he will not restart nuclear discussion until the U.S. drops its hostile policies. And uh, we've got a couple other things that go along with that, too, because there was another wrinkle of that story I didn't know about at first, and I found a little bit later off of this here. Uh, reading from CNBC, a top North Korean official said Pyongyang will not respond to numerous inv uh, invitations to restart nuclear discussions until the U.S. drops its hostile policies. We've already declared our stand that no DPRK U.S. contact and dialogue of any kind can be possible until the U.S. rolls back its hostile policy towards the DPRK, said First Vice Minister of Foreign Affairs Cho San Hui, according to a statement released by state-run Korean Central News Agency on Thursday. Cho okay. added that Biden 
administration initiated contact in February and has sent, sent, uh, since sent multiple emails, phone calls, and messages through a third country, which sounds to me like, Hey, dear Oon, I wrote you, but you still ain't calling. I left my home phone, my pager, and my number at the bottom. I had to put that one in there. You have issues. <laughs> she described the attempts... Well-established issues. She described the attempts at contact as a cheap trick for building up public opinion. So, and they've been going back and forth off this. And uh, what was her name? Kim Yo-jong also got in onto this one. Uh, she released a statement saying that if the U.S. wants to sleep in peace for the coming four years, it had better refrain from causing a stink at its first step. She added, according to an English translation. Okay. What exactly do they think we're being harsh about? I'm not sure, but the other wrinkle to the story that I found uh, comes from the AP. After North Korean cuts... Uh, yeah. After North Korea cuts ties, not North Korean, Malaysia orders its diplomats out. So they're having a little bit of a conflict over in Asia itself. Interesting. Malaysia on Friday ordered all North Korean diplomats to leave the country within 48 hours. An escalation of a diplomatic spat over Malaysia's move to extradite a North Korean suspect to the U.S. on money laundering charges. Huh. And apparently the money launderer is Kim Jong-un's half-brother, according to this. Oh, okay. This makes a lot more sense now. They're the, just... Okay, I get it now. This is just pettiness. The announcement came hours after North Korea said it was terminating diplomatic ties with Malaysia because it committed a super large hostile act in subservience to the U.S. pressure. <laughs> a super large? That's exactly what it says in the AP. North Korea called the money laundering charges an absurd fabrication and a sheer plot orchestrated by the U.S. and warned Washington will pay a due price. How much do we trust North Korea? Like, that's ridiculous. They wow. have the dude's name in this article, and I can't find it right off the bat. So we might get into nuclear war with North Korea because Kim Jong-un's half-brother is a dickbag? Probably. The ministry and said... And they don't want to admit it? The ministry said Malaysia had sought to strengthen ties with North Korea even after the deplorable assassination of Kim Jong-nam in 2017 and that Pyongyang's decision was clearly unwarranted, disproportionate, and certainly disruptive for regional peace and stability. So this does kind of seem a little bit more like a proxy war that's we're going to get sucked into between North Korea and Malaysia. Not necessarily them coming directly after us because of all the propaganda that goes across their speakers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is literally a textbook example of just spats between governments and having nothing to do with the people of the country. Yeah. Yeah, there's uh, that going on with this, and I know I no saw another meme, and I didn't load it up, and I should have loaded it up. It's in uh, our Discord. Uh, you know, basically, Kim Jong-un is looking for, you suck. We don't want to talk to you. Bring back Orange Man with Hot Wife. Because <laughs> they did get along. <laughs> so weird. I mean, they're both egomaniacs, so it makes sense. Yeah. So we have that going on here. Um, what do you want to do next, Russia or China? Oh, let's do Russia. That sounds fun. So earlier on this week, Joe Biden got into it with uh, Mr. Putin because we I think we talked just a bit about this last week because he got onto a conference call and talked about the fact, or not a conference call, he was uh, 
being interviewed on TV and he said that Putin was a stone-cold killer and apparently he looked Putin in the eye and he saw a stone-cold killer out of this. Well, Vlad was not happy about this. I'm sorry, it's hilarious. So, let me, I've got a couple different articles off of this one. Let me see if I can get the first one. So, The Hill reports that Biden says Putin will pay a price for 2020 election meddling. Um... President Biden said in an interview that aired Wednesday that Russian uh, President Vladimir Putin will pay a price for directing an influence operation targeting the 2020 election with the aim of undermining Biden's candidacy. Which I can't believe he didn't undermine his own candidacy when he said, I got hairy legs that turn blonde in the sun. <laughs> That's why they stuck him in the basement. We can't have that. He will pay a price, Biden told ABC News' George Stephanopoulos because... Why would it be anybody other than George Stephanopoulos? We had a long talk, he and I, and I know him relatively well. And the conversation started off and I said, I know you, and you know me. If I establish this occurred, then be prepared. What? Biden appeared to reference a phone call he had with Putin in January, during which he pressed the Russian leader on 2020 election interference, the poisoning of the opposition leader, Alexei Navalny, and other matters about which the Biden administration has raised concern. Biden also told Stephanopoulos he believes Putin to be a killer. And I just put this in the chat. It sounds like corn pop all over again. It kind of does, actually. <laughs> but, I mean, pretty expectedly... Putin was not happy with this. Russia reacts angrily after Biden calls Putin a killer. This is reported. He is, though. I mean. <laughs> this uh, reported from CNN. The Kremlin has reacted angrily to President Biden's remarks that Russian leader Vladimir Putin is a killer, calling the comment unprecedented and describing the relationship between the two countries as very bad. Ooh. Uh, when interviewer George Stephanopoulos asked Biden if he thought Putin was a killer, the president said, Mm hmm, I do. Your impression of him kills me. <laughs> um, it looks like, and according to this, Pluton has actually called out Biden to have a live stream debate with him. And the White what? House has said no. Uh, Putin himself responded Thursday saying, I would like to offer President Biden to continue our discussion. Oh my I'm God. <laughs> You're much an accent. <laughs> I was not prepared. I've never heard you do the Vlad accent ever. But on condition that we'll do so what is called live online without anything pre-recorded in an open and direct discussion. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki weighed in on the invitation saying she wasn't sure if she would call something or that she would call that something the administration would entertain. Which is probably the best thing for us at this point. It's like a podcast feud. <laughs> Oh my god. I would pay money to watch world leaders have podcast debates. You're Can not alone on that because a lot of people reacted the same way to that when they uh <laughs> Oh Ben says it sounds like Boris of uh, Boris and Natasha Moose and Squirrel. Yeah, that's actually where that's where I passionate after was those two. Wow. <laughs> oh crap, I forgot the other North Korea part. Well, we'll circle back to that. That's hilarious. There, there's another wrinkle to the North Korea thing, by the way. Oh, great. Let's we'll circle it. back. I mean, even Erdogan 
got it weighed in on the Russia thing, which, I mean, that's actually probably in his self-interest because he shares a border with Russia. Uh, Turkey's Erdogan says Biden comments on Putin are unacceptable, uh, Reuters reports. Turkish President Tayyip Erdogan said on Friday that Joe Biden's comments about Russia's Vladimir Putin, in which he said he thought he was a killer, were unacceptable and unfitting of a U.S. president. I do agree with that. Yeah, I do I, think it is unfitting, but um, it's not wrong. But don't worry, he doesn't send mean tweets. Right, yeah. No mean tweets this time. So that's what we're seeing out of Russia here. Let's just touch on this other piece that I forgot to mention over on uh, the North Korean side. Um, do you know who Lloyd Austin is? No. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin. Oh, yeah. Okay. I was like, is this a trick question? What are you asking? Defense Secretary Austin to North Korea. U.S. is ready to fight tonight. I did see that. And the that was... That was crayon eater bullshit, let's be honest. That sounds like something that some drunk Marine in a bar would say. Not the freaking defense secretary. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin warned Thursday that American forces are ready to fight tonight in response to North Korea slamming drills resuming between U.S. and South Korea. <sighs> the U.S. and South Korea have resumed military drills after pausing the exercises more than a year ago over the commie fucking coof. Our force remains ready to fight tonight, and we continue to make progress towards the eventual transition of wartime operational control to a Republic of Korea commanded future combined forces command, Austin said. That's a bunch of neocon bullshit, if you ask me, but, uh... What, what do you think of that? I think it sounds like some crayon eater bullshit <laughs> from a bar. That's what I think it sounds like. The crayon eater, that uh, cracked me up. So there's that there. And China also decided that they wanted to do China things, but they wanted to do it on U.S. soil. Um, reading from the Associated Press, the U.S. and China spar in first face-to-face -face meeting under Biden. Top U.S. and Chinese officials offered sharply different views on each other and the world on Thursday as the two sides met face-to-face -face for the first time since President Joe Biden took office. In unusually pointed public remarks for a state diplomatic meeting, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken and Chinese Communist Foreign Affairs Chief Yang Jichai took aim at each other's country's policies at the start of two days of talks in Alaska. The contentious tone of their public comments suggested the private discussions would be even more rocky. Uh, let me see if I can get the comments off of this. Where is it? Um, each of these actions threaten the rules-based order that maintains global stability, Blinken said of Chinese actions in Xinjiang, Hong Kong, and Taiwan, and of uh, cyber attacks on the U.S. and economic coercion against U.S. allies. That's why they're not merely internal affairs, and that's why we feel an obligation to raise these issues here today. Uh, National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan amplified the criticism, saying China has undertaken an assault on basic values. We do not seek conflict, but we welcome stiff competition, he said. Yang responded angrily by demanding the U.S. stop pushing its own version of democracy at a time when the U.S. itself has been roiled by domestic uh, discontent. He also accused the U.S. of failing to deal with its own human rights problems and took issue with what he said was condescension from Blinken, Sullivan, and other U.S. officials. We believe that it's important for the U.S. to change its own image and to stop advocating its own democracy in the rest of the world, he said. Many people within the U.S. actually have little confidence in the democracy of the U.S., 
China will not accept unwarranted accusations from the U.S. side, he said, adding that recent developments have plunged relations into a period of unprecedented difficulty that has damaged the interests of our two people. There is no way to strangle China, he said. So that's uh, some shots fired there. All right. I know it was really long and wordy, uh, but uh, what do you what do you think of that one where uh, China has officially insulted Anthony Blinken on U.S. soil? They've probably been doing it behind his back for years. To be fair, Blinken's been doing it to them behind their backs for years too. But the fact that they're doing—I don't it think it's actually behind their backs, though. Well, yeah. I mean, with the cyber attacks, they can see everything that we do. Yeah, they know everything. <laughs> they have TikTok. They know about all our dance crazes. So, looking at that now, it, I mean, you can see where I said we could be in any one of four foreign theaters at this point. Plus, you know, everything that's going on with Afghanistan and drawing troop levels back up for there. We've been criticizing that for a while. Um, which theater do you think that we go into first? Based on the information that I just put in front of you. Probably North Korea. That's kind of my safe bet on that one, too, because, yeah, I think that's... They're the ones that are rattling the saber the hardest at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit more about the Biden administration off this one here. So I asked you at the top of the show, you remember when uh, Biden said that uh, if you make over uh, under $400,000, you're not going to see a penny more in taxes? Uh-huh. Well... Campaign promise broken. Biden tax hike could hit people earning two hundred thousand. White House clarifies. White House that's, press secretary. That's barely middle class. Yeah. White House press secretary Jen Psaki on Wednesday clarified that President Biden's proposed tax hikes would apply to people who earn two hundred thousand dollars a year if they're married to someone who makes the same amount. Saki said at her daily press briefing that the proposed four hundred thousand threshold for tax increases applies to families rather than individuals. The clarification significantly lowers the tax hike threshold announced by Biden in an ABC News interview that aired on Wednesday. So, yeah, there's that. I mean, 200000 in the Midwest is great. You can live really well on that. 200000 in L.A. or New York City is a completely different thing. Well, that's that's what it is with most of this, too. And we, we can actually make the exact same... Uh, argument about the minimum wage because right 15 bucks an hour is actually a pretty decent wage where i live and it's barely it's okay here it's not great but it's okay i mean you'll be all right it'll be tight but that's you know if you're a single person you don't have children Mm -hmm. you'll be you'll be okay you won't be comfortable but you'll be all right but like you said once again in new york city that's uh barely putting food in your mouth that's untenable yeah. You can't even afford roommates at that point. So that was uh, that was one surprise off this. I mean, you knew it was coming because they're coming out and they're spending all this money off of this. And they're going out and planning on spending more money. The infrastructure mm-hmm. packages are tearing through Congress right now. We are $30 trillion in debt. And the Fed is manipulating its rate left and right to try and keep the markets up above water at this point. Because every time the rate goes up, the markets go crashing back down. Yeah. Yeah, this is just going to discourage people from being successful. They don't want to get bumped up into that new tax bracket. So 
if someone, you know, if your husband's making 120,000 a year and you make 50,000 a year, you're not going to want to get that next step up job or vice versa. It's, I mean, you knew it was going to happen. He's broken like literally every campaign promise at this point. He's not going to do minimum wage. They're not going to do um, student loan forgiveness. They're not doing this. Like, what else? There's well, other stuff too. I didn't put that in the notes either because I th actually thought it was insignificant. But there is a student loan forgiveness that's that is coming up, and he is actually going to do. But it is it's conditional. It's if you went to a school that uh, closed up. Yeah, like if you IDT went to tech. a school, if you went to a school that basically defrauded you out of an education. Yeah. Like so, Trump I mean, sorry. Like Trump University. That would be hilarious if that was the case. Um, that I can kind of see the reasoning for. Mm -hmm. And I think that one will probably pass um, because I, I don't. I would have preferred to see that on a local level, but you can't have everything you want either. Right, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, there was a college here in Indy. I think it was Kaplan, Kaplan College? Kaplan University. Kaplan University or whatever. Um, it was one of those. And uh, they closed up. And they defrauded a bunch of people out of a lot of money and their degrees were basically worthless. I'm sorry if it's not actually Kaplan because I don't want to speak ill of a good school, but um, yeah, it was not good. Well, and my brother went to ITT too. And I actually, I thought it was a decent school. I actually looked into it. I was thinking about doing it myself, but I wound up going to UTI instead. Oh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> I know. I've, I've been hearing those jokes for 10 years. <laughs> don't worry i've heard those ones before but yeah i mean that's it's not the mass sweeping student loan forgiveness that goes along to everybody like you know no. the progressives want mm -mm. but we have another interesting development in the biden story here from the hill union worker uh, sorry union warns ohio workers that ford plans to move new vehicle construction to mexico Higher taxes, that's what happens, you drive out business. Mm -hmm. So there was another aspect to this too that I considered off of this, but I wanna get over some of the facts off of this. So um, the Ohio Ford plant had planned to make one of its new vehicle models that's upcoming, that's not completely done yet. I believe it was a full electric vehicle in its Avon Lake, Ohio plant. Um, now at this point, they have decided to move that entirely to Mexico, that line. The plant is not closing, but that particular line is moving to Mexico at this point. Hmm. And the union got pissed, which they absolutely should at this point. It's, I don't like unions. Mm -hmm. I never have. But regardless of my opinions on a union, if you've signed a contract, then you should honor the contract. You should not get out of that. And the contract did say that the uh, new vehicle production that was going to be upcoming was going to be guaranteed in Avon Lake at, until at least 2023. But now it appears that they are going to back out of this and they're going to move that particular line down to Mexico at this point. And this, excuse me, this letter came up. Let me get, get the tweet up off of this and then I'll get it up on the screen because I actually loaded it up for the show here. This letter was sent out from the union. Reading here, it says, come on computer, think faster. 
At the start of the 2019 UAW Ford negotiations, the union bargaining team determined that its main goal was to increase job security for this great membership. For months, the company and the union held extensive, arduous discussion. On the subject, we focused on maintaining a strong manufacturing presence in the United States. Thanks to the determination of bargaining committee, your strong, dedicated leadership of Local 2000 and your solidarity, we were able to gain commitments for 2019 for the future of OHAP. The company committed $900 million to your facility. Some of that committed investment was for the next generation production to be added to uh, in 2023. Best of all, the agreement outlined the exciting vision for the complete revitalization of the OHAP factory that would secure OHAP employment well into the foreseeable future. These contractual, yeah, this is all basic. We did this for you kind of stuff here. Unfortunately, right. Ford Motor Company has decided it will not honor its promise to add new uh, a new product to OHAP. Instead, it intends to build the next generation vehicle in Mexico. Ford management expects us to just hang our heads and accept this decision. But let me be clear, we are making different choice. We 100% reject the company's decision to put corporate greed and more potential profits over American jobs and the future of its members. Now, okay. like I said, on this particular issue, the production is going to stay in OHAP. It's just not going to be the new vehicles. The new line is going to be a full electric vehicle. They're going to continue to make trucks out of the Ohio plant, the Ford truck. Mm-hmm. They're going to continue doing that. But what are we seeing right now as far as government-mandated stuff that's coming out here? Climate change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And rising gas prices, which means the demand for trucks is going to go down significantly. Which is lame because I like trucks, and I'd like to have some new, some used ones to buy in a few years. But we're going to start to see the truck production go down, and all the vehicles that everyone's excited for that people are going to be ordering left and right because electric vehicles are popular. Mm-hmm. People like yeah, them. they just they just need new, they just need more charging stations. Mm-hmm. That's the problem is that those are not getting built fast enough to keep up with the demand and they don't have the range to do like road trips right but people generally like them i actually was at the grocery store janesville earlier on today and there's a there's a cab company out of madison uh green Mm -hmm. cab i don't know if they actually have a branch down here or not but i saw because you always knew a green cab because it was a prius if you were in madison it was always a prius right now they have a tesla Nice. I saw it with my own eyes. Green cab paint all over it. It's a, it's a Tesla. It's a nice looking car too. Cool. I saw it in the drug. But I mean, electric vehicles, people people want to buy them. People want to use them. Mm-hmm. So the vehicle that has demand at this point is coming out of Ohio and it's going into Mexico. So, and the old right. dinosaurs that are going away apparently are staying here in Ohio, where there's going to be less and less demand for them and. You know, what are these people going to do at this point? Oh, right. well, we're we're not making these many trucks. We don't need that many people up on the line. Hey, our Mexico plant is booming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. One of the things, you mentioned the taxes off of this, but I thought a little bit more, and I heard another content creator mention this, and it got me thinking about this. But the other thing that goes along with this is the tariffs coming out of Mexico. Yeah. Because what did Trump do right at the beginning of his term? If you go and build that in Mexico, I'm going to tariff you into oblivion. Right. Now there's not somebody standing over the top of them saying, well, 
you know, if you do this, we're going to tariff you. Now they're just, okay, well, do whatever the hell you want to do. Mm-hmm. And now we yep. sit here with probably... And we sit here and twiddle our thumbs and watch more jobs leave America, and we just keep raising taxes. Sounds like a winning plan. Well, I guess we got what we voted for. I was told that if I voted I didn't for... vote for that. No, no. I was told that if I voted for Trump, that this country would start to lose jobs. And I voted for Trump, and this country started to lose jobs. Prediction true. It was kind of like uh, uh, Michael Knowles over from the Daily Wire likes to say, well, they told me back in 2008 that if I voted for John McCain, we'd get into more wars in the Middle East. And I voted for John McCain, and we got into more wars in the Middle East. Right? All right. You want to grab a little bit of live chat here? Let me see what we've got for time. We still have uh, 20 more minutes. What do I want to do for 20 more minutes off of this here? Um, yeah, let's... Let's, uh, go through, let's go through live chat real quick. I'm going to load up a couple different... i got to uh, dump a couple of the articles that we have here. But let's see what they're saying while I get this rest of the setup. Okay. They talked about your pizza for a minute. Quest said cauliflower. Cauliflower flour seems pretty good. I've never know. had cauliflower flour. I've never had cauliflower flour either. I have a big bag of coconut flour. <laughs> That's really hard to say, too. It is. <laughs> Cauliflower flour. Uh, Ed says sourdough spent grain bread. Yum. Yes, please. Brian says fathead pizza is easy to make. Double the ingredients to do it right. I've never tried to make it, so I don't know. I never, I've never tried it either. I've had the recipe for a few years, but I've never tried it. Oh, Ron said his chickens got wet today. That's not an innuendo. No, it's not. <laughs> um... Brian says emails were getting caught in the spam filter. I'm assuming he's talking about the emails to North Korea. Ben says we held up the release of Top Gun 2, so Korea has their panties in a bunch. Uh, Brian wanted to know if they turn on the read receipts for those emails. Ben Ben wants to know if we are going to discuss the federal investigation of the Mosby's in Baltimore. I don't know anything about that. No, if you uh, link that in the Discord of the Gilded, I will look into that for a contemporary, and I might put that up into uh, next week's, but no, I don't know anything about that either. Okay. Uh, ben score? also said, did Biden challenge Putin to a push-up contest? Because I'm kind of thinking, if he can't handle stairs, he's not doing a lot of push-ups. <laughs> Probably not. He also said, Putin's going to hand Joey Stumblebutt a butter knife and say, make me a sandwich, bitch. <laughs> Oh, we talked about the Boris and Natasha comment. Wilson Squirrel. Brian says, don't do an Asian accent. I, I I agree. Please do not do an Asian accent. Don't give me that look. <laughs> I have them. No, don't. I don't want to hear it. I have Korean, Chinese, and Japanese. Stop. No, no. Ron says, uh, your Putin is a cross between Count Chocula and Count Dracula. <laughs> That's true. Uh, Quest says Stephen Ignoramus has the best bad Asian accent. I haven't heard it, so. Ben says, I have many drunk Marines that I'm close friends with, and they've only raped one Jeep that I'm aware of. I probably should have read that one out loud. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, Ron said, Austin is unfit to leave. He should not be trying to provoke a fight. He should not be trying to provoke a fight, not his job. I mean, yes. <sighs> there, There is a crayon eater beer, by the way. I've never Icarus. heard the insult crayon eater before. That's the first time I've ever heard that. Really? Yeah. For Marines? That's like a thing. Like that is an internet thing. There, oh. are, there are so many memes. But yeah, there's a crayon eater beer made by Icarus Brewing. I suppose I can take the letter back off the screen. I just looked down the mm -hmm. monitor and saw that was still up there. Kim Young's TikTok is hilarious. He does a TikTok called One Time at Bandcamp and it features a glockenspiel. I need you to send me that link. <laughs> Gilded server in the description. Yeah. My parents made me learn to polka. Why no one called Child Protective Services, I'll never know, but it made the step to death metal polka completely natural. That's Ben. I don't, Brian made a joke about testicular tech. I think he's talking about the school that I went to. Hmm. <clears throat> That's fair, because I know where that is. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and for some reason, Ben has an issue with Instapot, which is dumb. I don't even know what an Instapot is. It's amazing. It's like a crock pot on steroids. My sister has an air fryer. I do want one of those. I have no idea what an Instapot is. I know that my future wife likes to use one. It's a It's a pressure cooker. So you can do like slow cooked things in like a quarter of the time. I know that AOC likes to use one and put it on Instagram. There's a lot of people that like to put them on Instagram. It's fine. <laughs> oh yeah, Ben said, well, I said Instapot has a purpose when he started hating on it. And he <laughs> said, yeah, boiling kittens, I guess. I do like his uh, idea of cast iron nation, though, because I've got a full set of cast iron pots. I love cast iron, but sometimes you want slow cooked stuff, but you don't have time. So, yeah, it's a pressure cooker. So you can do like things that you would normally put in a slow cooker, like pot roast or, um, I don't know, country ribs. I make country ribs in the crock pot. Just different things, chili, anything you put in the crock pot, you can put in the Instapot and it's like, even if you put in like frozen meat or it's only partially defrosted, it's done in like 45 minutes. If, if not less, 30 minutes or so. So anyways, I don't know. I like kitchen gadgets, so I'm all for the Instapot. Is that it? Yep. We're caught up. All right. So remember back in January when I said, okay, well this phone call came out in seven minutes of it and it sounded really, really bad. And I told you you had to go back and listen to the full hour conversation and I did it while I and was And I cleaning. did not do that and because I never do what I'm told. <laughs> well, the Washington Post came out this past week. Uh, they actually reprinted the article off of this where it said Trump pressured a Georgia elections investigator in a separate call legal experts say could amount to obstruction. And right there in the top, in italics, correction, 
Two months after the publication of this story, the Georgia Secretary of State released an audio recording of President Donald Trump's December phone call with the state's top elections investigator. That recording revealed that the Post misquoted Trump's comments on the call based on information provided by a source. Trump did not tell the investigator to, in quotes, find the fraud or say that she would be a, in quotes, national hero. If she did so, instead, Trump urged the investigator to scrutinize ballots in Fulton County, Georgia, asserting that she would find dishonesty there. He also told her that she had the, in quotes, most important job in the country right now. A story about the recording can be found here. The headline and text of the story have been corrected to remove quotes misattributed to Trump. Which, if you listen to this show, you would have known that back in January. Mm-hmm. Because I did listen to the full call, and it was available. The fact that now the Washington Post is trying to come out and say that it's only been made available now. Now, there are developments in this story at this point because a uh, records release request was sent to the Georgia um, Secretary of State's office in which the full audio recording file was found on a computer in the trash folder getting ready to be deleted. Mm-hmm. And it is now at this point released to the public. But just the thing that drives me the most crazy about this is not the fact that they're coming out and doing this. It's the fact that they're doing this now. And we all knew about this, except for the people who sit and do this in front of CNN all day, <laughs> already knew about this. Right. Two months ago. Mm-hmm. So what's your take on that? I don't know if you even saw the story this week or not. I did. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'd like to know if they used comments and stuff like that in the uh, impeachment trial. Because basically that would have been thrown out. Like all of that. Now, do you think at that point that expunges the second impeachment? Because, yeah, he, we went to I don't trial know. for this. I, I don't know because I don't know what evidence they present. I haven't seen like all of the evidence that they presented. Mm-hmm. So... If that was something that they presented as evidence against him, then maybe, potentially. But so far, there have been absolutely no rumblings about that at all. And it's been out there for a full week. Mm-hmm. So, again, I don't think the establishment GOP has any interest in revisiting that at all. Well, I know with the first one, and I, I find it interesting that you bring up the fact that, uh, um, you bring up the fact that, this could possibly expunge the second impeachment. I know that McCarthy said that as soon as he gets power back in the House of Representatives, as soon as they go back to House majority mm-hmm. in Republicans' favor, he's going to release uh, a motion to expunge the first impeachment. On what grounds? It's an impeachment. The grounds are pretty much that we want to, and it's fun. <laughs> we just make shit up now. It's fine. Well, that's what impeachment really is. It's a political thing. It's not really a legal thing. I believe the grounds are um, that they don't have standing to do so because there was no evidence in this is the is the reason that he wants to do so. But, I mean, that brings out the fact that because people keep saying Trump is impeached forever. Well, technically, if McCarthy gets his way and they vote on it, then he's not impeached forever. Which right. I think would be hilarious, by the way. But yeah, that does bring up an interesting point off to the fact that, yes, this was used as one of the things that they wanted to go. This this call was what they wanted to go after him for because they were going to mm-hmm. do a second impeachment no matter what. Right. 
That's what they wanted to go after him for up until January 6th happened. Up until January 5th, this was going to be the basis of the second impeachment. Right. And that's what I mean. I don't know that they, I don't know that they presented that as evidence at the second impeachment because that's, they didn't charge him with like obstructing the election results or anything like that. They charged him with the, what, inciting an insurrection or something like that. Mm -hmm. I don't remember exactly what the charges were or how it was worded. I don't know, but this got pretty well buried as soon as it uh, came back up. I mean, all the alt media guys talked about it for like a day. And then the next thing you know, we're talking about what's going to happen in Asia. Whether it be North Korea, Russia, or China. The next day, the day after this came out, we started talking about all these things that happened in the foreign theater. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this all disappeared in a hurry. Right. But I mean, that is kind of the nature of a 24-hour news cycle. And it's not as if those were fluff pieces. Those are actually very serious things that are going on in foreign policy. So if it was stuff about Kamala Harris's dog or something like that, then I'd be like, okay, that was on purpose. But I don't think any of this other stuff was. One of the other things that came off of this here, we talked about it in lightning round last week. But I looked at this and juxtaposed it with a couple of the stories this week. Marjorie Taylor Greene is in the news right now. A uh, couple Again. different reasons. I want to just first, I want to, I got the video for this here. Because she got a visit in her congressional office this past week. Uh, let me get the video up here for that. This one. Let it think for a second. There it goes. And let's watch this. Do you know how long she'll be back here after when she returns? Because we are also making some deliveries to leadership in the capital. So I can't, I can't speak to that. I think we're about to start the new round of votes. I'm right. Actually, we're okay. about to start the new round of votes and stuff. So, okay. Um, can we just text your scheduler or email your scheduler? Just you to, can text me. Can you give me your number? Yeah. I can give you my card or whatever. I also have my, my Guam guardsmen that are out here on the deployment. They wanted to come over and say hello to you. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. Yeah. I'm sorry that you guys missed her. She's literally an interview. She's coming back to the hill, but we'd love to um, allow you guys to see her. Yeah, I think it'll be really great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But thank you so much for coming by. Where is y'all's office? We are actually in the same building. Sixth oh, floor. Yeah. Sixth floor. Okay. 1632. Love it. Yeah. Love it. 
I'm sorry, your name again? Taylor. Taylor, you want to come on and say hi? Just sure. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So guys, um, Congresswoman Green will probably be coming back in 20 minutes. Sure. We'll, we'll probably hey, circle back. This is Taylor, her uh, legislative director. So you just hey, want to come on and say hi. Hi, guys. Hey, guys. Hey, thank you guys so much for all that you do. We really appreciate it. Thank you guys for keeping us safe. Um, the Congresswoman should be back hopefully in the next 30 minutes or so, and I know that she would love to meet all of you and say hi and just tell you how much she appreciates the hard work that you guys do. So... Two dozen uniformed guardsmen go up and surround the door of Marjorie Taylor Greene's office in that video, and that doesn't scream of intimidation to you at that point. And not only that, but they're engaging in political activity while in uniform, which is a specific no-no. Yeah, I actually, I was uh, when I was driving home from my mom and dad's last night, I was on Discord, I was talking to Seawall, and when I brought that up and told them that I was going to be talking about this on tonight's show, he didn't even hesitate and he said every one of them should be court-martialed and the mm -hmm. uh, leader of the uh, unit should be taken out and given the worst dishonorable discharge there is. I, they should be reprimanded. There's, there's, that is in no way appropriate. That doesn't happen any, ever. Yeah, and I mean, you're a first-term congresswoman at this point, put yourself in her shoes. You walk out the door, and there are two dozen, 24 uniformed guardsmen standing outside mm -hmm. your door. What do you, as right. a small woman, too, not allowed to carry on the on the Capitol grounds? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that just reeked of intimidation to me. Um, however, on this one here, there are two juxtaposed against each other, and there's a third one I'm going to talk about when we talk about this here. Um, first off, from CNN, Democrat introduces resolution to expel Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene. Okay. Uh, Jimmy Gomez of California formally introduced the resolution Friday to expel Georgia Rep uh, Republican Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene from Congress, suggesting that she advocated violence against our peers, the Speaker, and in our government. For her QAnon stuff? Yeah, for the stuff that she did on her Twitter before, before she was in office. Now, with this, I do go back, and I, and I said this this morning, too, when I read about this, was if you show me the evidence that she did this in her official capacity as a congresswoman, I will right. actually get on board with you, Jimmy Gomez, and I will advocate yes. for her to be expelled. Yes, but she did it as a private citizen. Mm -hmm. So you're essentially just calling for, um, you're, you're essentially just calling to violate her free speech as a private citizen, because that's when she made those remarks. Mm -hmm. You can't do that. Have you seen the Democrat playbook? They do that all day and night. Well, I know. I don't think legally they have a leg to stand on. Now, as far as congressional rules go, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Well, the Constitution actually lays out the ability to expel a member of Congress, but it requires two-thirds vote in Congress to do so. For the most part, I think this is just massive grandstanding at this point because they don't have two-thirds of congress mm -hmm. to get on board for that they're on a razor thin margin and i really think that given what kevin mccarthy said and the votes to remove her from committee because there was like two people that defected from the republicans for the rejection of committee assignments for her at that point yeah no they don't have the vote this is just a massive grandstand at this point but i still don't understand either what the what the obsession is with a first-term congresswoman who has no committee assignments whatsoever. It's right. like 
Rachel McAdams. Again, and that's, and that's what I said last week when we talked about it. If they're stripping her of committee assignments and all that, like, I mean, if I was her constituent, I'd be like, well, then what are you doing? Because if you can't do part of your job, then we might as well remove you and replace you with someone who can. Right, but that has to be done locally. They can't do that at the federal government side. I know. And I yes, know. I would. Just... I'm just saying, if if I was a constituent in that district, that's the question I would be asking. Like, even if, even if I was on board with her ideology and I had voted for her, I'd be like, well, they're literally not allowing you to do your job, so you're ineffective as a, as a congressperson. Why wouldn't we replace you? Well, yeah, and I mean, even on top of that too. That's not just, if this were to fictitiously go through and she were to get removed from her post, you're leaving an entire section of Georgia without representation. No, I mean, there would be a special election to replace her, but then that also opens the door for a precedent to be set that, oh, all we have to do to get to get rid of Congress people is just strip them of their committee assignments and then pressure their district to recall them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that is... That... And then that would turn into big business. And that's a big part of, because we talked about this when they stripped her of her committee assignments. This is the first time that the opposition party has been able to come up and strip a member of Congress of her committee assignments. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, you know, what, what was it? What was the dude in Iowa that said all the anti-Semitic stuff? I can't think of his name. Who? The guy in Iowa that said all the anti-Semitic stuff. And they immediately, Republicans got together and said, okay, well, you're done. We're not putting you on any more committees. You're fucking out of here. Immediately. Like they didn't even think about it. When I can't think this? of his name. Uh, when he, it was right before the midterm, I believe. Oh. Mm -hmm. And I cannot think of the dude's name to save my life. So like 2017, 2018? Yeah. And they didn't even hesitate on that. Like as soon as they found out that he said the anti-Semitic stuff, they said, okay, you're done. But that was GOP going after a GOP guy. That's completely right. different off of this. But juxtaposed against this is uh, NPR writes about this here. The Democrats are reviewing whether to overturn a certified Iowa U.S. House election. So that was Rita Hart out of Southwest Iowa, who that was the one where she won by like six votes. Oh, wow. But she is now back in. She's impaneled. She's sworn into Congress. She won her election. And now the Democrats are putting forward a motion to go back and review this to get 22 more ballots counted because they claim that if they go count those 22 ballots, then Miller Meeks will win the election by nine instead of losing it by six. After, mm -hmm. after she's seated. And I don't she's like already the, seated. Yeah, exactly. I don't like where this one goes either, to be completely no. honest. That, that goes down a direction that I don't think we're ready to go down as a country. No. And on top of this here, I didn't put the article in, but uh, if you think about what else happened this week, um, somebody in the Senate... Sheldon Whitehouse put forward the motion as well to uh, open up the investigation back into Kavanaugh on top of this because he feels that oh uh, the FBI didn't do its due justice in doing the background check on Kavanaugh. Because it was a Trump Justice Department. That's insane. All right, well. They're, they're going for power. Yeah, I mean, they all do. That's what they do. But this is... I, to me, this is unprecedented. The, not the fact that they're going for power. You're right, they all do. But the direction and the means that they're going about for the power is just... This is insane. I don't know. Maybe we should just uh, 
have a peaceful divorce in this country and just be done at this point? I don't know. Looking better and better. Well, unless you have anything else on those three news stories, that's all that I have. No, I don't think so. All right. Let's see what they have to say then, and we'll head on out of here for the night. And I do apologize um, once again to everybody for uh, the late start off of this one. We had things that fault. could not be avoided. I actually had to do work today. They were still talking about the Instant Pot. <laughs> Ron says he likes the Instant Pot better than the Presto pressure cooker. It's much faster and he doesn't have to constantly check it. Quest has a Ninja Air Fryer, so that's the person you should talk to about an air fryer. Yeah. Uh, Spartan says we need a platoon to protect every Democrat from the white supremacist. Or, yeah, there's a re in the middle of that. <laughs> uh, Quest said using National Guard troops as props, yes, but shame on them for going along with it. Mm -hmm. uh, Quest said AR-15 should be allowed, light and easy to point, do more for women than feminists ever did. That's true. I do, with the, the National Guard thing, I do want to point out that, um, you know, I could sit here and claim that I didn't know Guam was a territory because until Trump was president, I didn't know Guam was a territory. And I would like some Samara chip cookies. <laughs> um, Brian agrees. They're trying to intimidate. They don't have the votes. Said it before. Pretty sure she can't read, so she wasn't doing her job to begin with. Ouch. <laughs> Uh, Quest said they're giving her the platform overreactive establishment folks did for AOC. That's very true. Mm -hmm. Spartan said Democrat or, or Republican, they both have to worship Israel and the tribe. Okay. Let's let's not do that one on air. No. <laughs> I didn't read it before. I, I didn't read it before I started reading it out loud. <laughs> uh, Quest said Dems shouldn't go down that unseating path. Coughs Biden. That's going to happen, though. <laughs> ben says, literally, federal government is one, one giant binge watch of impractical jokers. Except it's not funny. Kind of like Steven Crowder. And Quest said, they want our stuff, no peaceful divorce. Yep, pretty much. Yeah, that's, that's one of the things that goes along with it, too, is, yes, the coastal elites could go out and secede, or we could secede in the country, but... I mean, you dam off the Colorado River, and what happens to California at that point? That's their only source of fresh water right now. Mm-hmm. So, that's, uh, is that it? Yep, that's it. We're done. All right, then we will head out of here for the night. And you and I will probably discuss a little bit off mic, uh, a little bit of the upcoming... Fundraiser. The charity That's stream the one, yeah. that we're gonna do. So yeah, we're, we've got you've got some stuff coming up off of that too. So we'll, we've got a lot of stuff there. We'll probably have some announcements next week for that. But let's throw some music up and head on out of here. So thank you everybody who came by and chatted with us tonight up in the live chat, kept us honest and stayed faithful to us even though we did have a late start off of this. That's much much appreciated. We will be back here next week at the regular time to discuss more of the news of the week here. And it's looking like that's already shaping up to be all kinds of a clusterfuck as well. So definitely looking forward to that. Looking forward to seeing you guys here next week for that as well. And remember, mark your calendars to come in. And as we mentioned, come and join me for 24 hours 
and a bunch of other interesting guests, some of whom I will be meeting for the first time that day, who will come on and we'll talk about suicide prevention and we'll see if we can raise some money for the AFSP. I do believe that's who I'm going to be going with as well. So come back and join me for that. We'll probably do maybe some Stardew for the first seven hours, I think. Maybe seven, eight hours. We'll do. We'll play some video games, do some Stardew Valley, and see who actually wants to be up that early. But for the rest of the day, interviews, talks, conversation, and we will get a bunch of money in there to try and help end this pandemic of suicide going around the country. That will be on April 17th, midnight to midnight. Come and join me there on all the regular channels there. And... If you are just catching up now and you want to catch the rest of the show, you can catch us back on demand over on YouTube and over on BitChute.com, or I will get this out onto the audio platform either today or tomorrow, where you can catch us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. And hey, if you're over on iTunes, leave us that five-star rating and a good review. That helps us move up the charts. It helps us overcome Apple's algorithm, and it helps get our message out to more people. And... Lastly, go and check out our friends, The Freckles and Brick Show, The Daily Ignoramus, The Breakdown with Birkenhoff, The R-Rated Conservative, and The Generational Gap over on the Freedom Scoop Media Group. We will be premiering the new website on the live stream, so make sure you go and check that out on April 17th. We would love to see you there. And lastly, never take the words of bloggers, podcasters, or journalists as gospel. Find all the facts and draw your own conclusions. <gasps> Elaine, lead them back out. I hope you all have a great week. Don't do anything I wouldn't do twice, and we will see you here next Monday. Take care.